0: final frontier these are the voyages of the starship enterprise it's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations to boldly ask whether or not lost is a good tv show hi welcome to all the best podcasts have daddy issues a podcast about that very topic i'm your host nolan pavlich
1: and i'm emma may
0: raised by another episode 10 pretty good episode.
1: We finally get a Claire episode, yes! We do
0: finally get a Claire episode. There's some issues with it, but I mean, well, we'll talk about it. To start off with, we we do have a, uh, well, not a correction. Um, early on, maybe episode two, even in the podcast, we talked about whether or not uh, either of our fathers had ever left us at the mall.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mine had not, and yours also had not. But my dad listened to that episode, and he texted me to tell me this, and I'm going to read it for you. Uh, He says, I did not leave you at the mall, but uh, once, um, when I went to a restaurant to meet your mom, I had dropped her off to go inside and get a table, but then I went across the street to get gas real quick. I thought she had taken you inside with her, so I got gas, went back to the restaurant, and left you inside the car... Because I thought that she had you. So basically I was left in a locked car for like 20 minutes as a child.
1: Well, it's good that your dad fessed up to it. That you love an honest dad.
0: Uh, Yeah, we we stand an honest Mm -hmm. dad for sure. Uh, It actually makes a lot of sense when I think about things now. Because I actually, I hate getting locked into a hot car Mm -hmm. um, as an adult. And I can clearly see now it's because it happened to me as a child.
1: So would that be your last origin story, do you think?
0: Yes, I mean mm-hmm. it would be it it in Lost, it, my dad would have left me in the locked car as a way to like punish me for not being like a perfect gymnast or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, that that was not my origin story, but yes, that would definitely have factored in for sure. And I would have been played the baby version of me would have been played by myself, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> just wearing a bald cap. So yeah, uh, have you ever been locked in a car by your dad?
1: I have not.
0: Okay, I can't good. say that I have. That's good. Well, <laughs> we're learning more every episode. Yeah, episode 10, what did you think? Uh, overall thoughts?
1: I liked it. I mean, it's just nice to have some face time with Claire. I'm really hoping for this episode of our podcast, um, not to put too much pressure on you, but I'd love to you know, hear that famous Australian accent maybe once okay. or twice. Um,
0: yes, of course. That's
1: what I'm kind of looking forward to most today okay
0: perfect perfect yeah of course i have a flawless aussie accent mm-hmm. uh yeah maybe we will hear it once or twice throughout this episode nice. all right um so this was directed by uh grab yak grabiak i don't know how her name is pronounced um she directed this episode only um so I wanted to bring this up. It's just the first scene that it happened in, so... This is what the wiki has to say about this woman. During a Q&A session in Israel in July 2009. Now, this is uh, already ominous, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Israel and Q&A sessions both have threatening auras, in my opinion. Uh, executive producer Jack Bender revealed that uh, this woman, uh, Merita Grabiec, pushed for the opening sequence of Claire's dream to be shot in black and white. Um, despite politely refusing her suggestion, she kept pushing for it, and he had to overrule her. Uh, she would never work on Lost again. So that's uh, ominous last sentence there. Uh, but I guess she got canned for really wanting that opening scene in black and white.
1: What's your opinion on that? Because I read that too, and I don't know that I would lose my job over something like that.
0: Yeah, well, so what the dream functions as in this episode is like, it's just there to have like a what the fuck moment, Mm -hmm. uh, like right off the top of like, what, Claire isn't pregnant? And like, oh, this is a dream. So I think that's immediately gone if you have it in black and white. But then as dream sequences go, there are shows that have great dream sequences. I would say The Sopranos, in terms of probably comes the closest to capturing what dreams are actually like. Mm -hmm. Twin Peaks, I would say, probably comes the closest to capturing how dreams make you feel. Uh, Lost does not have great dream sequences, in my personal opinion. There are some real stinkers. This one wasn't too bad. I guess my point is that it's not that great of a scene, so I don't yeah, I don't know that I would have been, like, uh, losing losing my reputation over it. Um, although maybe she just didn't care anyways.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let's just get into it. Um, oh, and it was written by Lynn E. Litt, who is a writer for the f- this first season. This is the only episode where she got it written by credit, though. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so just jumping into it, we open on Claire's Eye... She's in the caves, and she sits up, and um, she's got a flat stomach. She is not pregnant, because, of course, the actor isn't pregnant. I don't know why in TV shows, I always hate this when they do this, where it's like, oh, this person's supposed to be pregnant on the show, but like here's a dream sequence or a flashback or whatever where we just take the the you know fake stomach off of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I feel like it cheapens it when... It just makes you look for it being fake after that. Yeah. But she hears a baby crying and she follows the sound to John Locke, who is messing with a deck of cards in the woods, playing solitaire, I guess. Uh, he's got some real creepy eyes. He's got the eyes that are like the black and white stones. For me, like,
1: it's so mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt, but it looked like he was doing tarot.
0: Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense. God, I would love a tarot reading from John mm-hmm. Locke. hmm but his he's uh he chastises her for letting somebody else raise the baby is you know, what's kind of implied and what we'll figure out is Claire's fear over the course of this episode. Um she runs to a crib, it's got the oceanic airplane, like mobile on it. Um that's the kind of thing where I'm just like yeah, that's just that's just kinda of corny and like not what dreams are like.
1: Yeah, a little too on the nose. Yeah.
0: She reaches into the bundle of blankets in the crib to find the baby that's crying. But what she comes out with is just blood. Among the worst things you can find in a crib, I would say. Mm -hmm. When you're looking for a baby is probably blood. Mm -hmm. She wakes up screaming, but she has blood on her hands just like she did in the dream. And then we get the little title sequence. Yeah, this this is weird. It's like they're trying to fake out that like something ominous is happening, right? But this is just a dream. Like, I guess you can say it's part of like the mysteriousness of the island that is maybe giving her this dream, I don't Mm -hmm. know. But she, like, there isn't really any foul play or anything like that going on.
1: And I didn't mean to cut you off when you're talking about John Locke too, because I felt like the, the eye color was, you know, an interesting part of the dream that made me think that maybe the island had a little more to do with it than just her nerves but how you yes. had the one white eye and the one black eye like a uh, kind of a callback to the was it mancala
0: or backgammon
1: backgammon yeah
0: is it the same thing mm-hmm. yeah and and also the stones that they found in the the little pouch on the corpses that were in the yeah, caves true so jack is um patching her up and we find out that the reason that she had blood on her hands in the in the waking world was because she dug her fingernails into her palms that sounds horrific Mm um those are gonna get infected yeah for sure well luckily they've got a doctor who is more than willing to give her a prescription drug so that's true yeah jack does a little checkup on her uh, asks about how the baby's doing and all that feels like one of those things where you're like hmm you should have maybe known all this already. I feel like mm-hmm. I would have been asking her these questions as she's, you know, getting out of the plane wreckage. But um, uh, we get our first flashback. Claire and her boyfriend Thomas are taking a pregnancy test. This guy has bad vibes from the get go. I would say. Yeah. He is freaking out over the pregnancy test. Um, they, but uh, she is pregnant he really convinces her to keep the baby she is all she's despairing immediately upon learning she's pregnant and um and then he says well we could really do this i don't know what the healthcare situation is in australia around 2004 this did air on abc in 2004 which of course means it takes place in an alternate reality where abortion does not exist mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if they ever imply that she was going to, uh, abort the baby, or I don't know if him saying we should keep it was just meaning you should not give the baby up for adoption or what the deal is. Either way, he convinces her to, that they're going to, you know, go the distance and be a couple that has a kid.
1: Well, he has the job, his paintings.
0: Yeah, he's an artist. Mm -hmm. Um, did you see his paintings?
1: I did. One of them was very oh, good. It just said hello on it. That I mean cool. Wh-
0: but what does <laughs> that mean, you know? This is this is a little bit this is he's kind of the pre Banksy. <laughs> yes. I imagine that eventually he would have gotten to a point where he just shreds those paintings.
1: And since we're on the topic, um I also learned that Jack Bender some of those paintings are his.
0: Oh really? Yeah. He oh, likes I like they shouldn't make fun of him. Yeah,
1: maybe not. He likes to pepper him <laughs> in his shows, I guess. But
0: Oh, well, fair enough.
1: Yeah.
0: Look, I'm a I'm a Jack Bender stan, so I think those panties are great.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Back on the beach, Kate is sinking her feet into the sand as the tide comes in and out. Um, maybe the most relaxing thing you can do. I, I'm i glad that they had a, a little piece of it in the show, because that is all I'd be doing on the beach, most likely. Mm-hmm. She... Jack comes over and talks to her. She talks about how she used to do this with her mom, and then, like, it's very awkward all of a sudden. So there's clearly some kind of something with Kate and her mom, um, but we don't get any more hints about what. And they talk about Saeed. Kate's worried for him. Jack says he'll be fine. Um, there should have, in my opinion, been a cutaway scene right of, Saeed, like, somehow getting knocked out again. Yeah. Like, maybe he's taking a rest underneath a palm tree and a coconut falls down or oh, something. that poor man. <laughs> and Jack says Claire's going to be having the baby soon. Charlie brings Claire some tea as she's writing in her diary. Uh, and he tries to calm her down. And he says, hey, you don't have anyone here, but, you know, I could be here for you. I'll And she kind of just rejects him. These are painful to watch. Him
1: it is. Him just fully
0: crashing and burning.
1: Yeah. I I didn't like that he was being sweet. Like, I even have in my notes, like, oh, maybe Charlie is being okay this episode. And then he immediately takes it back, like, as soon as he has just, you know, an ounce of rejection. He kind of, yeah. like, takes it out on her. And I, I don't know. I felt like he lashed out maybe a little too harshly. Like, she is really going through it. So give her some space, dude.
0: Yeah she's going through more than anyone else on the island, maybe except for Michael. And she's still... She's like... (laughs) I mean, she talked about it at the beginning, how she's a ticking time bomb of responsibility. Mm -hmm. But she's going to have this thing, this... I mean, it's going to be extremely painful to have this baby on this island. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's something you're already worried about if you're going into a hospital in the best condition possible. Mm -hmm. And also, it seems like you shouldn't have to... I mean, I guess he was more putting himself out there as, like, a, like, hey, if you need someone to talk to, or something like that, um, or, like, you know, a friendly person you can rely on, I guess. I mean, really, he was doing the island version of asking her to prom. Yeah. Like, everyone should be trying to take care of Claire already. Like, nobody has anything to do, and she is, she needs, she does need help. Right. So... Uh, it's very weird to be like, oh, yeah, no, you know what, never mind, you don't want to, uh, slow dance right now, that's fine, well, uh, never mind, actually, mm-hmm. I don't
1: care.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, flashback again, Claire and her friend are going to a psychic. Uh, have you ever been to a psychic? Like, two, like actually two, one?
1: I don't know. That seems like something I would have done, but if I did, it obviously wasn't very eventful, because I don't remember it. Have you ever been to a psychic?
0: No. Um... I've had premonitions myself, of course, but I've never actually, mm-hmm. you know, been to a psychic. Uh, it feels like um, the problem with me is you can look at me and immediately know all of my problems and what my whole deal is. So I'd, I wouldn't be super impressed by any any psychic that was like, oh, you're miserable. It's like, yeah, I know. You just, you just look at my face and see that. You don't need any special powers. She's nervous about it. She's going with her friend, uh, someone who I believe does not receive a name in this episode. He, the psychic, what do you think about the psychic?
1: I don't know. There's something about him I don't like.
0: Yeah, he's creepy. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's just ominous, which mm-hmm. I guess is maybe what they're going for. He looks a little bit like Michael Rappaport, which is already, like, cause for alarm. Mm-hmm. From what I've seen, the actor seems, it seems like people liked him. Like, people that worked on the show. So, that's good. So he knows right off the bat that she's pregnant, and uh, but then all of a sudden becomes very nervous and gives back her money, something psychics do not do, mm-hmm. and then uh, makes them leave. So that is distressing. That would be the most distressing thing that had ever happened to me if that occurred. Yeah. Back on the island the next night, Claire is getting woken up. Someone's hand is covering her mouth, and uh, someone was trying to inject something. Into her uh, stomach, she thinks, trying to hurt her baby. So this, I mean, this is not a dream, right? By the end of the episode, we find out. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Kind of insane. Someone would try and get her while she's in the caves like that.
1: Also, they're all, don't they all kind of sleep near each other? Yeah. It's amazing that, like, that, how could you be that ballsy to do something like that?
0: I mean, as we find out, it is Ethan, so... Mm Or at least we assume it's Ethan. I guess by the end of this episode, maybe he's working with someone. I don't know, but uh, presumably this is Ethan. And yeah, insane. And the fact that he just kind of chills. I mean, we see after this scene when everyone's trying to like talk to her and find out what happened. He does kind of stick around, and I think to see if she notices that it was him.
1: Mm, I didn't notice that. I didn't pick that up.
0: Uh, but they can't find any evidence of the uh, you know the intruder. Uh, they're doing search parties. Everyone grabbed their torches and went out into the jungle looking for somebody. And Hurley realizes that none of them really even know each other. His name isn't Hurley, it's uh, Hugo Reyes. He besmirches Scott and Steve, says he doesn't know who those guys are. I think that's a fair point. It does seem like that is another thing that would have happened already.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like, that should have happened before sending somebody off to survey the island.
0: Yeah. Like, how are you not... (laughs) <laughs> How are you not interested in everyone else around you? Mm-hmm. Like, a little bit. At least enough to learn, like, where they're from and all that.
1: Especially after everything with Kate happened. Wouldn't that make you a little more, I don't know, on the defense?
0: Yeah. Actually, it's kind of surprising that Hurley did not, like, blame Kate. But mm-hmm. like, I guess there's nothing but, like, he clearly thought that Kate was going to murder him. <laughs> like, in, like, episode three yeah. or whatever. And she hasn't done anything since to make him think different, so... Charlie gives Claire a blanket, says he's going to guard her all night, and he says that he won't leave her, which, of course, flashback to her boyfriend leaving her. Uh, Claire's hanging up the drapes, and Thomas comes in and is immediately very shitty. hmm And says this isn't working, breaks up with her, and he, he like, immediately blames her, too. Ugh. Like, r- right away. I mean, this is... This guy sucks. Big time. And then he straight up calls it out maybe the closest we get to like a a full um full call out of somebody for having daddy issues he says don't put all your daddy abandonment crap on me um him being of course somebody that is trying to abandon their child mm-hmm. uh, so it feels feels like that maybe actually would be a fair thing to put on him but yeah this guy is uh evil
1: he's um, lock's manager level of hateful like for sure do
0: you think that it should have been Locke's manager uh that he should have been they could have just double double dipped
1: they should have doubled down
0: um (laughs) uh and then yeah he blames her for being for getting pregnant claire i mean claire she hasn't had a ton to do she's been like a little sweetie on the beach for like six episodes and then she's been gone um I think she's doing great this episode. Emily de Raven, or Raven, she's doing a good job, uh, like, as, like, I don't know, uh, stereotypical, I guess, as, or as one-dimensional as Thomas is as he's breaking up with her. Claire seems like she's, like, working through stuff. Like, I mean, it's, it's a good performance, I think. It
1: is. Yeah, definitely agree with you there.
0: Hurley interviews Locke for the census, and we find out that Locke lived most of his life in Tustin, California. He says he went to Australia looking for something, but that something found him instead. Hurley is weirded out by this interaction. There's the, the thing at the end where he's he like goes to talk to an extra and he's like, hey I know I already talked to you, I just want to you know get some more information just to get away from Locke and I guess Jorge Garcia improvised that line, mm. which is pretty funny. That's a good, that's a good Hurley bit. Mm-hmm. I thought it was weird that they that Hurley was getting that weirded out. Hurley's awkward all the time. You think he would gel with Locke?
1: You'd think so. I don't know.
0: Jack thinks that Claire's having anxiety nightmares, and he he tells Kate and Charlie this, and Charlie does stick up for her, which is good. Like, it's very weird that like Jack just won't even entertain the idea.
1: Well, he's so quick like, to hand out medication.
0: Like, <laughs> I know. They they really got that part of being a doctor down yeah. perfect. If, mm-hmm. they, if they had been able to get, like, Claire addicted to Vicodin somehow, it <laughs> would have been a very true-to-life show. Yeah, but it's just very weird where it's like, all right, well, you saw, like, a you know Tyrannosaurus Rex or whatever eat the pilot, Jack. So, like, the idea that, like, somebody could be after Claire is not insane. This right. island is weird as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Ethan... Or Hurley interviews Ethan for the census. He calls him Lance at first, um, and we find out his name is Ethan Rom. He says from Ontario. Uh, this is kind of a funny little scene. So Ethan Rom. I don't know if this is like one of those like famous like things that people theorized about. It's an anagram for other man. Oh. Which they've been calling the other people. Uh, Rousseau just kind of calls them the others. And that's kind of a thing that sticks throughout the show. Which is also where you get the title of this episode. Where it could be Raised by Another or Raised by An Other. Mm-hmm. Hurley interviews him. It's kind of just a funny little scene where Hurley's awkward about, you know, Ontario. But it does have... It's, I guess, the impetus for Ethan knowing he's got to, like, get moving now. Because mm-hmm. now they're gonna, people are going to figure it out. Um, and then, yeah, Jack... Jack tries to give Claire a sedative, and she refuses and starts to move to the beach. Now, I agree with her that she should be angry at Jack. I do disagree. The beach seems like a crazy place to, like, even, I guess, if you think people have already been in the caves, maybe that doesn't feel as safe. But the beach cannot be safer.
1: No. Also, just, like, comfort level-wise, it's going to be so hot and uncomfortable and like she's a million months pregnant like i think that there's enough people on her side like charlie and hurley for example that she could stay in the caves and arguably be safer since they know what's going on like the people on the beach don't even know what's going on
0: also just thinking about this now giving birth in the sand Mm. seems like the worst place to do it Seems, seems bad Charlie gets angry at Jack for trying to give her meds, and then we get another flashback. Claire goes back to the psychic, um, and she asks for another reading, and this time the psychic knows that Thomas left, uh, and he says that she has to be the one to raise the baby. She has to be an influence on the child. Her, her goodness has to raise the baby, and, but she says, I'm giving the baby up if me and Thomas can't work it out. Which I guess means she still was ready to work it out with him, which is...
1: Depressing. You know,
0: Claire,
1: come on. Yeah. Come on, Claire. <laughs>
0: Have some self-respect. Uh, don't go back to that guy. She gets a phone call in the middle of the night, and I. she's more pregnant now. And she's saying she's been getting calls from him for months. Uh, and he's saying that he has a plan now to help her. Claire. <laughs> so Claire's going back to the beach... Charlie's following after her, and he basically just says the exact wrong thing. Where he says, uh, wow, it's that's way sane to just go all the way to the beach. It basically makes her feel like she's crazy.
1: Oh my uh, maybe God. like
0: the exact thing that she didn't need to hear right then.
1: He's so good at that, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this, this episode is weird because it really is like ping-ponging back and forth between Charlie being like a sweet guy who's there for her. And then him being, like, really insensitive and kind of seems like he's in it for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and as listeners to the show know, we are not exactly... Uh, we don't exactly have high opinions of Charlie. No. Hurley is interviewing Shannon. Um, mm-hmm. And she gives her information as follows. Shannon Rutherford, age 20, address, Craphole Hole Island. Now, I just want to be clear. This island is not on any maps. It's uncharted. And Shannon has is now the first person to have given it a name.
1: Oh, no. So
0: it is Crab <laughs> Island now. Legally, like, you know, the cartographers would have to call it that if they ever put it on a map. But, yeah, Hurley is questioning Boone and Shannon. They're answering questions, but he's, you know, they're trying to get information about why he's doing it. And Boone says maybe we're just not cool with you setting up your own Patriot Act, and then Shannon says he's a liberal. Oh my god! Which I think we've already got a hint of before.
1: Yeah, she he, says goes, that to he goes on
0: marches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> about guns. I love this. Do you, where, where do you think Boone would be now if he hadn't crashed on an island? If he's living in twenty twenty two?
1: Oh my gosh.
0: He's a he's a Biden stand. Do you think at this point? He's either a,
1: a Biden, yeah either that or he's just a libertarian now full-blown libertarian
0: for sure I would say John Locke gives off heavy libertarian mm, vibes mm-hmm. for sure yeah John John Locke is sending you chain emails about how to hide your gold mm-hmm. for sure uh, <laughs> and Hurley tells them what happened and then I guess we find out that they were packing to go to the caves because Shannon drops her stuff says she's not going to the rape caves. And unfortunately, nobody has given the caves a name, so that is also now the name of the caves. Oh, no. And Boone tells Hurley about the manifest. Uh, Only guess who has it? It's, of course, uh, the pack rat himself, Sawyer. Uh, This scene is cute. Uh, Hurley goes to Sawyer, who is, like, kind of sunbathing, but he's in the shade, I guess. He's just chilling. I love
1: his little sunglasses. Oh, it's great. Such an amazing touch.
0: I, I think that they really give him some great like wardrobe stuff Mm -hmm. because for the most part everyone's just like oh yeah everybody has found like jeans and solid color t-shirts in their size and hiking boots and everything and then for sawyer they're kind of like all right but what if we gave him like some hello kitty glasses Mm -hmm. that he has to wear (laughs) as well
1: which is interesting because in i feel like every scene on the beach there are at least three or four extras folding clothes and going through Clothes.
0: Yeah, Sawyer should... Uh, and he's also the person that has been, like, grabbing stuff off of dead bodies. you think he would have found some regular sunglasses. Mm-hmm. But maybe he just likes them. Well, they look good. Yeah, they look good, Sawyer. Uh, Sawyer hands over the manifest to Hurley after Hurley lays it all out, saying it's in his best interest to maybe just give something up for once. It's nice. I like when Sawyer's nice. He's just so charming.
1: He is very charming. And I think that also... What I like about this scene is that anybody else, if they needed something from Sawyer, could have asked nicely. And yes. like <laughs> Hurley just illustrates that so well that you know, you can ask nicely, you don't have to torture him for the manifest.
0: Right. Boone just went and goes through his stuff mm-hmm. and like Kate like comes over and like kicks him in the balls and tells him his mommy doesn't love him and then mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, ask for a laptop battery or whatever. And like, yeah, Hurley just comes and says, hey, can I please have this? Also, what benefit does Sawyer have for the manifest besides the fact that somebody else might want it eventually? Maybe once he gets their watershed down, he'll start just going through that. Mm-hmm. So Charlie tells Claire that he likes her. They are both adults. So I made a joke about it being a prom thing earlier, but he can just talk like an adult. And be like, I think you're, I don't know. You don't have to say you like a grown woman. Mm-hmm. But she correctly says, in my opinion correctly, says that he doesn't like her. He just wants to protect her because she's pregnant. A fair and cutting remark from her on this. She starts to go into labor and he starts panicking. And I don't know. I kind of think that this is supposed to be a parallel, right? Of like him freaking out about the labor to Thomas freaking out about the pregnancy test. Yeah, yeah but he lets slip that he's an addict and she tells him to go get jack
1: which this part Mm -hmm. pissed me off like there's a woman going into a dangerous labor and you're gonna make it about you
0: where yes where he's immediately like okay i can do this i can." like oh you can do this yeah for sure you actually don't have to do anything charlie (laughs) yeah you just have to catch the baby i guess um I mean, that's his... He's very... He is super, like, self-centered. Like, what was the thing... Oh, it was the peanut butter. Where he was trying to get peanut butter from Hurley. And he was basically just saying, Come on, you, you got some peanut butter, you you out mm-hmm. uh, Where are you hiding it? Um, just where it's like, as soon as he thinks... As soon as he wants something, he's just uh, all about himself. Charlie goes to find Ethan. Or to... He goes to find Jack, but he runs into Ethan. And he says... He tells Ethan to go get Jack because Claire is having the baby. Uh, And then he runs back to Claire. And then in a flashback, Claire is meeting with the adoptive family uh, who she's going to give the baby up to. You can tell me what you think about this. My opinion is that they also have bad vibes.
1: Yeah, terrible.
0: Not as bad as Thomas, but um, I for sure... Well, here's what I'll say. So she has a... You know, very cute, vulnerable little moment where she says, hey, my mom used to sing, or my dad used to sing um, Catch a Falling Star to me. Will you sing that to the baby? And she, the mom says yes. My personal opinion, she would never have sung that song to the kid.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, the environment that they're having that conversation in is so just icky and sterile and...
0: Yeah. In a pure wood room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, the whole thing, I mean, realistically, I guess that's how... I don't know, does that... It seems weird. I feel like through an adoption agency, you wouldn't meet the people.
1: As somebody who is adopted, um, uh-huh. you typically would not. But I think since this was like a direct connection, like they found her. Sure. Um, there's... It's just different than being in like an adoption um being in like a, a foster care situation um but i did look it up uh i guess in australia they mention in that scene that they're going to send her twenty thousand dollars and put her up in like a beautiful apartment um in australia that's illegal like you can't profit off of adoption
0: okay so well, maybe don't maybe don't narc emma (laughs) Maybe maybe let Claire get her bag, please. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. These people are sinister. I think that that's fair to say that Mm -hmm. these people. What are they going to do with that kid? We don't know, but it's not good. Mm -hmm. They certainly weren't going to raise it. I don't know what the Australian. What that even is like there? If what if they have like orphanages or like a foster care thing like us?
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's that would be an interesting thing to look into.
0: I hate to say this. I actually really hate to say this. Do you think they have fosters care over no. there? Oh no. Is it is it where they have the kid do the kids have to work in the factory? And I don't know this for certain. But do the kids have to work in the foster's beer factory? They, in Australia. We they don't know. Might, yeah. They might. Yeah.
1: We gotta look uh, into that.
0: Yeah. As someone who worked at Outback Steakhouse, I can tell you every Australian that came in was sure to let us know that they don't drink fosters over there and they hate it. So (laughs) that's probably not the case, but fun to think about. (laughs) So Claire, yeah, she asked them to sing Catch a Falling Star. Did your parents have anything that they sang to you as a kid?
1: Oh, my God. Nothing that comes to mind.
0: I know. I feel like you don't remember that stuff. Mm -mm. Maybe you do. Maybe if you're five or six, I guess your parents can still sing you stuff. Um, But, yeah, I don't remember. I would not remember... (laughs) Mine mine would be like Hey so when I was a kid My parents used to go to bed And then just let me play Gamecube Until I was too tired to stay awake So can you do that for the kid Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That would be my version of it Uh, Claire Goes to sign the document But she tries like three pens out And none of them work So she takes that as a sign And she leaves Uh, That would actually be disconcerting right Oh yeah where you're on pen number three and, like, this thing that you're super conflicted about, that probably would actually get me to be like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. Same here. hmm And she goes to ask um, the psychic about the offer. Um, and he says that he knows a couple in L.A. to give the baby to. So now he's changed his tune. She, she can give up the baby. It just has to be to this couple. And he's the one that gives her the plane tickets. This is something I kind of have an issue with in this episode. Uh, I like this reveal. So, I mean, Claire, Claire tells the story right to Charlie. Uh, this is the first time where we're like, the flashback that's happening, we're seeing it. And as she's like telling it to him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Charlie just straight up spells it out for us. Of like, well, the psychic, maybe he knew what he was doing. He actually knew about the crash. So that's why he gave you these specific plane tickets. And we get a little thing of him saying, you have to be on Oceanic 815. It has to go tomorrow. I feel like it would have been better if they had not made that so explicit. Yeah. It Because w- it still would have been creepy, right? To say, like, just to have that interaction with a psychic and have him say, you have to be the one that raises your baby. Otherwise, great danger is going to fall on it. And then if she does take the offer, she ends up having to raise the baby no matter what. Mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah, I, don't th- I just think it didn't need to be as explicit. And I guess in some deleted scenes, there was going to be stuff that made it even more obvious, like sinister looks or whatever, as he was giving over the tickets, and they didn't end up putting that in. But, yeah, Claire's contractions stop, so thankfully Charlie is going to be okay. <laughs> um, and I guess Claire's fine too now. And they kind of make up, I guess, and start heading back to the caves... Uh Said stumbles into the caves. He's made it all the way back from, from his various head traumas, and he tells them that he found the French woman and he's not alone. They're you know, they're not alone on the island. And who comes in right then as well is Hurley saying, Hey, guess what? There's somebody who wasn't on the manifest. And then we get the final scene, Ethan runs into Charlie and Claire.
1: Perfect serial killer vibe from Ethan oh, in this shot.
0: Yes. Yes, it's this is like very creepy yeah and he
1: hasn't been he's been
0: kind of like an odd duck up until now and he hasn't been in that many scenes he last episode was his first episode and he's in a little bit with Locke in there they're just setting him up and then in this episode he's not particularly uh creepy in any of his scenes up until now so it really hits hard i think Mm -hmm. um i think maybe you could have guessed that there's something up with this guy but um just that turn into straight like absolute villain is pretty crazy And that's the end of the episode. Uh, Raised by another episode 10. IMDB puts it at number 54. Uh, Kind of just a little bit in the middle.
1: Uh, Is this above House of the Rising Sun then?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: That's crazy to me.
0: Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, I think this... So this episode is weird. We talked a little bit on the Moth episode about how the flashbacks that they gave Charlie or the story that they chose to tell in the flashbacks ended up not really setting him up for success in the future. Like, it's hard for them to make a new new story with Charlie because we kind of know the beginning and end of it now. Mm -hmm. It is a bummer to me, and she plays it well, and there is good stuff in this. Like, the stuff about her wanting to give the baby up or or not like it is that is compelling drama just on its own but they kind of coupled Claire's stuff with the mystery of the island so there's the mystery of you know her being pregnant with whatever they're trying to inject into her stomach Mm -hmm. or into the baby um and then there's also the mystery of the psychic sending her to um to the island in the first place and then that is with The mystery of now there's these other people on the island that we know about for sure and Ethan is one of them and he is clearly very concerned with Claire he's like interested in her and asks about her and at the end is uh, you know very menacing towards her Uh, so it's cool that the show is starting to amp it up into more of the mystery of what's going on it's just a bummer that it feels like it came a little bit at the expense of her backstory and character development
1: yeah i i will say that i'm just happy that they're putting her more at the forefront since she hasn't been present in some of the last episodes so that part Mm. i feel like is kind of a silver lining at least we get to see more of her
0: oh yeah absolutely and she at least has a little bit more stuff that they can go like there's more of a direction with like whatever's going on with her dad who, mm-hmm. uh, they, she's got some kind of daddy abandonment issues. There's also a line that they make about how her mom will disown her if she has this kid. And then the boyfriend says, well, she's basically disowned you already. So there is, like, some stuff there that could be interesting that they can get back to. But, uh, yeah, all in all, I think this was, uh, a good episode. Uh, next week we have, um, Ooh, next a- another. Week? I know, I know. Look, we don't know the title of next week's episode. Hulu will not show it to me. I do know it's a Jack episode, but other than that, I don't know. Did we have anything this week in history, Emma?
1: Yes, um, just a fun little tidbit, some TV pop culture history for you. November 30th, 2004, Ken Jennings, 74-time Jeopardy! champion, finally loses and guess how much he raked in oh
0: wow how let me see it it must be what five hundred thousand dollars way more way more yeah how much they giving away on jeopardy i have no idea how much do they give him
1: over 2.5 million what the heck yeah
0: just for knowing a bunch of useless trivia? Yeah. That's crazy. I
1: know, that's insane.
0: This whole podcast has just been us talking about useless lost trivia, and we are, well, I guess we've actually made close to two and a half million yeah. on this thing so far. <laughs> that's
1: pretty Maybe not true. quite that
0: much, so. Wow. He is, uh, he sucks, right? Doesn't Does he? Does he? I think that there was a thing of him, because he's, like, the host now.
1: Oh. I think they just
0: announced that, like, him and... The Big Bang Theory uh, girl are going to be, like, co-hosts or, like, alternating hosts or something like that now that Alex Trebek has uh, passed on. Mm,
1: yeah, rest in peace. Um, LeVar Burton was busy.
0: I Wasn't he I doing it for a while? He was, like, guest hosting. Because oh. there was, like, a, a few months where, like, people kept guest hosting it. And I... The thing... Do you watch Jeopardy?
1: I went through a Jeopardy phase. I do not any longer, oh. but... Yeah, I did. I did.
0: I think a, that's a pretty common thing. A lot of women go through a Japanese. <laughs> <college. Yep>. Um <laughs> the uh I apparently I don't I don't really watch it because I don't have cable. Uh, but the apparently the, the episodes that LeVar Burton guessed it on were like maybe not great.
1: Oh, that um, makes me sad. I feel like I he would be so good. I guess but, I didn't watch any of it though.
0: So. There were some There was, like, some kind of, I don't want to say it was, like, a Me Too thing, but there was some kind of, like, scuzzy behavior from Ken Jennings, and I remember people being, like, this this guy shouldn't get to do it, but it seemed like he was kind of already in with the producers and everything.
1: Oh, well, go to hell, Ken Jennings, with your $2.5 million. You should have just stopped there, buddy.
0: Yeah, you could have just had your two and a half... You're two and a half mil and and lived in Jeopardy infamy. Mm-hmm. Although now he's probably making that much every year, so good for him, I guess. All right, well, uh, next week we'll be going into episode 11, untitled as of one. yet. <laughs> it's I think it'll be a good one. I think, I think it'll so. Be a good
1: one. I'm really
0: excited. <laughs> uh, but uh, until next week, get lost.
1: Get lost.